Hello and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and of course, a little bit of entertainment. I hope you are well. There is definitely a spring in my step this week with the start of a new month and lots of hope and optimism on the horizon with the easing of restrictions around COVID-19. With the brighter mornings, longer days and the regular blasts of sunshine amidst the rain, there really feels like there is light on what has felt like a long, never-ending COVID tunnel. Added to that, the racing that has taken place over the weekend and taking place this weekend internationally is all very positive to see. And Ironman 70.3 St. George, the North American Championships at the weekend, was extremely exciting to watch. We had great fun last Friday morning with Helen Murray and special guest India Lee on the tri-commute. It was so much fun and the perfect kickstart to the bank holiday weekend. I turned the laptop off on Friday morning after the show at 8.45am and headed out on the bike for the morning for a fabulous spin in the sunshine. I have to say it's been great to get out on the bike, embracing the open road, enjoying the roads and the scenery I haven't seen in so long, drinking in the views and embracing the hills. I never thought I'd be excited about heading out to the hills of Connemara, but I was, and as always, they didn't disappoint. The consistent training over the winter on the bike has helped with the enjoyment of these longer spins, and last Tuesday I raced in the WTRL TTT League with the Team RWB Serranoham C2s, and also subbed into the WTRL Platinum League TTT on Thursday night. Let's just say I thought I had worked hard in races before on Zwift. But this was a totally different ballgame. I loved it and hated it in equal measures. If you haven't raced with the team on Zwift but are interested in giving it a shot, please do get in touch. There is a team for everyone and every level. And despite how hard I worked, it was lots of fun. Has anyone signed up to the Mayo Pink Ribbon Virtual Cycle 300k your way or the Cycle Against Suicide Share the Load on the Road 670k Cycling Challenge? You have until the end of this month to complete the distance of each challenge so be sure to check them out over on our website www.trytalkingsport.com Now before we dive into this episode I want to give a big shout out to Damien Brown who was our guest on the show in episode 12 back in October 2019. He is currently preparing to climb Everest acclimatising at base camp. Check out the episode to find out more about his incredible journey in sport to date and be sure to give him some love and a follow on social for some great insight and updates on his adventures. In this week's episode, I chat with Ger Prendergast, who has set some incredible challenges for himself in sport. An ultra-endurance triathlete from Dublin who suffered from sight loss in one eye at a young age due to an accident has not let this get in the way of achieving success in sport personally and professionally inspiring, encouraging and motivating his family and the wider community to strive for more through sport. The winner of the Deca UK in 2017, Jer completed 52 long-distance triathlons in 2018, which included a double, a continuous triple, a quin and an indoor Deca distance as part of his 52 in 52 challenge for Mental Health Ireland. In May of the same year, he also completed a 100-mile run in 20 hours on a 550-metre loop. He has some more challenges up his sleeve to the end of this year and into 2022 and beyond, so watch this space. It has not been an easy road for Ger at times with some DNFs at a number of races early in his endurance racing journey. 
But rather than knock him down, he turned his mindset to the idea that failure is feedback. These disappointments he endured in sport, they drove him forward to strive for more from himself mentally and physically, building confidence, resilience and a determination to succeed that is simply ironclad. A fellow podcast host, we had plenty to chat about and didn't cover half of what we could have, despite going way over time. Grab a cuppa and enjoy the show. Dear Prendergast, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I've been a fan of yours for a while. Following your journey in sports, I'm delighted to get you on the show this afternoon. How are you? Absolutely. My pleasure, Joanne. Yeah, great form and uh, delighted to be here with you today. So thanks for having me on the show. So, Jer, you've had quite a journey uh, in sport from a very young age, right to the ripe old age of, what age are you now? 40. I stopped. Were, were you 40 during COVID? Uh, I was. I was 40 in September, so I didn't get to um, have the big party. Actually, my wife as well was 40 the month before, so we were planning on having a big kind of shindig, if you will, but it uh, didn't happen. So we hopefully we get to do something this year to make up for it. Yeah, so you know if you've a roundy birthday during a global pandemic, you actually don't age. So you really won't turn 40 until September this year. So you okay, can have the party I'll, I'll and the celebrations. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> so, Ger, most people that are listening in will know you as the man who went to the DECA UK, did 10 Ironmans in 10 days, won the race, did 52 long-distance triathlons in 52 weeks. Bring us right back, Ger, and for those of the listeners that don't maybe know who you are, tell us a little bit about your story. Like, I've always been involved with sports. Um, my dad was big on getting us involved with sports from a young age. He actually set up a gym in Ballymun, where we're from. And um, it was it was a gym initially for us, but then eventually opened up to the community. And it started out as a, a boxing gym. My older brothers have six brothers and six sisters, so I come from a big family. Sorry, what? So, yeah, six, six of each. I'm one of 13. Yeah, so we, we could have filled the gym ourselves. <laughs> That's like a whole football team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's when we used to play. Um, when when we were growing up, we played a lot of football, actually. And our family was a football team, and we played against the rest of the kids on the road. And then the other teams from around the, the area as well. Where are you in the family then? Are you the eldest, the youngest, the middle? No, I'm fourth youngest. I'm fourth youngest. So I have two brothers younger than me and a sister younger than me. So, um, wow. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I'd, be, I'd be fairly... I'd be fairly um, spoiled, I suppose. I'd be one of the spoiled uh, younger kids, to be fair, though, yeah. How old is your oldest sibling and how young is your youngest sibling? Oh, God, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> um, I'd say my eldest is probably, uh, the eldest sibling is 52, maybe 53. And the youngest would be Phil. He's, God, he's in his 30s now. He must be 32 or so. So, like, we're all fairly close, like, you know, a year, there'd be two years, probably max, in age. Like, And at one point, we all lived in, in the same house, actually, which was, was mad. Like, Christmas was was good crack, to say the least, you know. <laughs> I can imagine. I can yeah. imagine. Yeah. Anyway, come back to the boxing gym. Yeah, he set that up. And, um, like, some, some of my brothers are fairly handy. They were all Ireland all champions. And I, I must have started at the age of six or seven. I was, I was very young, like, and um, I was more for, you know, fitness as well and just being able to look after yourself as well. But I, I lost the sight in my eye when I was eight in my left eye. Uh, it was an accident um, out playing. 
And honestly, I can't even remember it. Yeah, it was actually got a stick in the eye, but um, can't remember it. Must have just blanked it out. But because of that, then I couldn't compete like my brothers did. I couldn't, um, you know, compete competitively in the sport. And so I kind of drifted more towards the football. Like we did play football out in the road for like every day as as kids anyway. So I kind of stuck more to that then. I did still train in boxing. Wasn't really allowed to do much sparring either, but I'd done all the training outside of that. And kept doing that like up until probably teenager years. Then I kind of played a lot more football then and, and the, the um, boxing kind of drifted away. But then by that stage, uh, my older brother had taken over the gym and became more of a kind of bodybuilding, weightlifting gym. Started doing more of that with the football. Being around all the, the older lads, now, at that age, I learned a lot and that kind of gave me a passion for bodybuilding, weightlifting. And then later on, of course, I became a personal trainer, a uh, fitness instructor. From the football side of things, I it was more just uh, street football. I didn't really join a, a team until I was 16. And I only really joined that because my, my friend at the time, his brother was the manager and asked me to come along. Um, so that was the football. And I played that up until... Mid-twenties, late-twenties. But I never really, really enjoyed it. never really got into it. I was kind of the person who was good in training but never showed up to matches. Like, And I, I kind of attribute that to the lack of confidence I had because of the eye. Like, my self-confidence was really shattered like from from, from the eye thing. Like, and not just in sport, but for people as well. You know, I always had problems um, kind of looking people in the eye and stuff like that, you know? So, yeah, the confidence was a bit... Uh, shattered because of that after the, the football I, I found um, visually impaired futsal an international team I'm not even sure how I found it. I think I just was googling sports to do with visually impaired for, for visually impaired people and I found futsal so I said that before I went over I thought the lads would be like you know super fit and I wouldn't have a chance of getting on the team or anything but when I went over it's probably the fittest person there and, and I could fit in really well actually so Really enjoyed that, as I said, took to a, like a, a duck to water. But in the first year then, I was playing in a World Cup in Argentina. Did really well over there. I think we I think we finished fifth in the world, so it was good. It was a good kind of starting point for me. Then we'd done, um, I think two years later, it was, it was European Cups. It's similar to the way professional footballers play. Every two years is a big tournament. And then we, I think we are over in Turkey. And then the following year was I probably woke up in France. I, I can't really remember the order, but really, really loves it. I think funding just wasn't there after, after a certain point. So the team disbanded. And I think I was 32 then. No, sorry. I think I was 31. And I was just looking for something else to do and came across running. It, it's kind of a natural transition, actually, with footballers now when they finish playing football or GA, maybe, or Horland. They start doing things like marathons. And so they start doing some 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons and, and so on. That's the kind of natural progression. So it was, it was no different for myself. I remember actually, I think I got into it because um, some of my clients from boot camp actually were doing a 5K. I think it was a remembrance run in the Phoenix Park in 2011. So I, I decided to do, do it with them. So I rocked up with me big chunky Nightgear Max <laughs> I think I had a football jersey on, all the usual stuff that you, you shouldn't wear for a run. And yeah, the 5K, it was actually a really nice day in the Phoenix Park, really hot. And it nearly killed me. I, I, I nearly didn't finish it. Like, 
But um, I did get like absolute growth for it. It was it was amazing. And um, I started doing a few more then, and then ten k half marathon. And I think by twenty twelve, I done my fourth marathon, uh, the Dublin City Marathon. So I done the whole, I done the whole series all the way up to the marathon, and it was brilliant. Really got into it. Um, I think I finished that marathon with like a three twelve. Yeah, got a, a nice kind of um, boost from that. And obviously then my target was to try and go sub three the following couple of years. Um, I think then after that, I'd seen duathlons. I knew, I obviously heard a triathlon somewhere. I can't remember where, but I couldn't swim at this stage. But it was definitely in the back of my mind that I wanted to do one of them sometime. Um, I signed up for one in 2013 then with the, with the plan of doing some swimming and maybe a swim lesson or two. In the meantime, I said I'd do a couple of duathlons. I think I'd done the nice duathlon series. That was early 2013. And it was the Dublin City Triathlon I had signed up for in 2013. That would have been August. And again, as I said, the, the plan was between, I think the, the duathlon series like started in January. And then the, the next couple of months. And the plan then was to do a couple of swims or swimming lessons, shall I say, and then start swimming properly. That never happened. <laughs> I rocked up to um, Dublin City in 2013, hadn't been in the water, hadn't put on my wetsuit until that morning. I jumped in and I thought I was being cute getting behind everybody. I was probably fairly early as well into the water. And then before the hooter went, I looked around, there was a couple of hundred people probably behind me. Yeah, and I got kicked and slapped and, and bet around for the first few hundred meters. But as I say, I couldn't swim, so I was kind of doing some kind of a breaststroke slash doggy paddle. I don't know what it was, but it got me through. I was last getting out of the water, and then I got onto the bike, and I was I was fairly flying by then. I was, I was flying by people on the bike, and probably more so then on the run again. So I knew if I could get a half-decent swim, I'd be fairly okay at this. Um, again, I signed up then to, I think it was um, the same again, but uh, the Olympic one. And I had done a, 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 um, a swim lesson or two, but I think I arrived late to the race. And to be honest, you know, I, I used that as an excuse at the time. I, I was late, but I could have parked somewhere else and still made the race, but I decided not to because I was so nervous of the, the distance of an Olympic distance triathlon so basically I bottled that one um but yeah it um it, it did give me that kind of again more of a motivation that you know it was like a bit of a kick up the arse to be honest that I needed to do more training and and you know take it seriously and um, so I decided to sign up for actually I I didn't do a a, a an Olympic or a half and the following year, I just went straight to Ironman. I was going well with the swim. I was going well with the bike. And I says, why not? Like, you know, now I don't advise this to anybody. It was, it's pretty silly to do this. <laughs> to be honest, if you're thinking of doing it, an Ironman, put the training in, uh, get a coach, get advice, getting a coach and do it properly. It's a better, it's a better journey. You know, you'll enjoy it more. Um, I was so nervous. I was so nervous that I didn't really enjoy it. I have to be honest. I obviously enjoyed the, the Ironman when I was finished. But anyway, it was Ironman Wales 2014 I signed up to. And I put in a heap of training. Um, as I said, I got some lessons. Um, 
I actually really progressed very well on the swim and actually and I think it was a combination of the the, the fitness the, the fitness I had previously from soccer futsal and then just really showing up in the training I was training at least three times a week without missing it for that whole year for the Ironman and I was flying by the time I got to the Ironman and swimming the bike was I wasn't as strong on the bike to be honest and um, I was always going to be okay on on the run um, but yeah, when I in Ironman Wales, you know Joanne, that bike course is an absolute nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. It was brilliant though. Like uh, there was there's one point you know of it, Saundersfoot, uh, Heartbreak Hill over there. You get it twice, mm-hmm. don't you? The first time was just I'd say it's the closest you'll ever get to being a professional triathlete. Like they must have been ten to fifteen deep, and you're going through up that hill. It's like a gantry. Uh, just of, of uh, crowds of people cheering for you, spurring you on. There was people in fancy dress. It was just unbelievable. I'll never forget it. It was probably one of the highlights of that race, actually. Um, and I'll never forget it. But that was brilliant. Second time around, I think most of them had gone on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's like that now, though. I think, actually, it's become so legendary, like the Saunders Foothill. And is it mm. St. Bride's? I think it's just before it, maybe, um, if I can recall it properly. But I, I think, like, it's got such a huge number of people that go out there that the second time you go around now, they're still there uh, screaming and shouting. And sure, you don't feel the hill at all, Ger, when you go up that kind yeah, of that's, like, well, to be, It's like Windmill Hill in Cork. You don't feel the yeah. hill with the spectators. <laughs> yeah, so I have to be honest. You're dead right. The first time it was like that. The second time, to be fair, there was still a lot of people there and it was just, um, as I said, my biking wouldn't be uh, as good as swimming or running, um, especially at that stage. Um, so I felt it a lot more. But to be fair, you're right, there was still loads of people there. But the first time round, the atmosphere was electric. It was so, so cool. And as I said, it's the closest you'll ever get to being a, a, a professional, that feeling of a professional. Um, but it was brilliant, yeah. Uh, the run was just, like I got off the bike. So this is where I'm saying my training probably wasn't I, I I I went too soon. I think my legs just hadn't adapted to getting off the bike to a run, even though I was still doing brick sessions. You want to be probably training for a couple of years before your first time, man. That's what I'm trying to get at. When I got off the bike, my legs just they just went my own. I, I had to start walking. And my wife was in the in the crowd and I seen her on the first turn and she seen me walking and I was just shaking my head. How am I going to finish this now? Like, my, I just can't even feel my legs here. And um, they, they were just jelly at this stage. So I kind of, you know yourself as well, the first 5K of that run is basically a long drag. So I pretty much walked all that. But when I hit that first turnaround point, I said, I'll give it a little try here. And instantly my legs were back because of the drag, I suppose. But that, that from that point onwards, I was flying. And I think I finished that run in, in under four hours, like which was I was delighted with at that stage. But yeah, the atmosphere in Tenby, like it, it's so hard to describe unless you're there. Like it's like like that's on this full hill. The, the atmosphere is just like people just shouting your name. And like my, my wife had uh, met a lot of lads there from uh, England and they were shouting for me afterwards but they had recognized me from earlier on the Irish guy is a chair is a chair and they had been scammed for me previously like and they like they were bonding with my family my group over so it was such a such a, an absolutely cool experience like my next iron distance right on after that Ironman 
was uh, Challenge Galway. I think I had done a couple of um, Olympic uh, distances in between. I think I'd done Kerry. And again, that was such an amazing experience as well. And then I went to um, Challenge Galway. And I've mentioned this one because it's, it's such such an, uh, an important race to me now afterwards because it was like a bit of a turning point or part of a kind of area in me, that in, in me I suppose, tracking on career uh, that was uh, a part of that turning point. Um, I had signed up as well to, um, you know, the race up in Donegal? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so the race up in Donegal consists of run, uh, bike, kayak, and then you do it all again, I think. But there, it's a serious event, like not just the duration of the um, the, the distances, more so the, the terrain up there and the weather you have to deal with. So I'd done the first year, 2014, and I was actually doing well on it. But then I had a mechanical and basically, you know, I, I, I pulled out because of the mechanical, you know, or that was my excuse at the time. And the following year, I went back up. And the first year, the weather wasn't great. Like, it, it's very tough terrain. The weather is always bad because that, at that stage, you were doing the race in end of February. And then I think they moved it out to April because they literally just couldn't run the, the race because it was the, the conditions were so bad. And obviously, the roads were, were covered in ice and snow. But, um, yeah, at that stage, it, was, it ran and it was very cold. But 2015, like, the weather was horrendous and it was so cold. And I got a, a touch of, I was going hypothermic basically, and I, I pulled out because of that. But that was my excuse at the time. But looking back on it then, it was just, I wasn't strong enough on the bike to keep moving forward fast enough that I got cold. And then when I got to transition, I just I just was in bits. I kind of used that as an excuse to pull out, to be honest, Joanne, because half an hour after that then, I was in a cafe down the road having a cup of tea with my friend who was supporting me at that stage. And um, like, if that happened now, there'd be no chance I'd pull out. You know, like I could have just sat like in transition for that half an hour and probably had another go again. But um, I, I kind of use it as an excuse to pull out, to be honest. And that gave me great a great kind of um, motivation. Then when I got home, I was I was really pissed off with myself, to be honest. Excuse the language. And I just said I made a deal with myself then that wasn't happening again. So then when Challenge Galway came around, I basically, after the, the kind of disappointment of the race in 2014, 2015, um, I really upped my training, especially on the bike, actually, because that was my biggest weakness. So I absolutely nailed the training for the following year on the race and Challenge Galway, which will take part in the same year, 2016. I absolutely hammered the race in 2016. Absolutely nail it. I think you have 24 hours to do it. I finished it in 20 hours. No, and I didn't even like, I didn't really push. I just stuck within my numbers and nailed it. Like, you know, I could have pushed a bit more. Definitely, if I went back, I'd be aiming for probably 15 hours as opposed to 20 now. But like, I, I just wanted to finish at that stage and nail the plan. Like, you know, then I went to the full iron, iron distance in uh, Challenge Galway. And I had an absolute nightmare on the bike. As I said, my training had gone really well. The swim went well. I think I had a good swim. But the bike was going really well. Like, I think I was um, holding, like, 32, 33K, which was what I wanted to stick to for the duration for the first two hours. And then I got a puncture. So I had, like, over 60, I think it's 65K done on the bike. I got a puncture. And I just lost a load of time because I had given all my puncture uh, kit and pump to my wife who was doing the standard 
race or the uh, Olympic race the day before and never got back off or so. <laughs> I'm blaming her on this one. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah, it was an absolute disaster. So I was trying to get a tube and a pump off people. And I was fairly high up in the in the standings, if you want. So nobody was going to stop me. And I don't blame them. It was my own fault, you know, that way. I managed to get one then uh, after a while. I put the tube in and uh, pumped it up and away I went. And, uh, you know, only a few few metres down the road, it went again. Um, but this happened, I, like, I, I, I'm not great with, with mechanicals, to be fair. And I was kind of thought it was my own fault. But from after that, like, I had six punctures, right? Six punctures. And every one of them needed, obviously, to put a new tube in. Sorry, is this in the race? You had six more punctures? Six more punctures, one after the other, every couple of K. Like, what was happening was, like, I, I found out later on I had a shard of metal in my in my tire and you couldn't feel it. Like, you know, I'm as I said, I'm not great with this stuff, but I'm not that bad. Like, you know what I mean? And I was feeling out the tire, couldn't feel anything in it at all. Um, and I explained how I found this out now later in, in, in a sec. But basically, there was a guy called Cole Whelan. You might know him. Uh, he's a good guy. Uh, he was there following his his athletes along the thing. And it just so happened I was in there kind of time within the race. So I'd see him every time I got a pump and he, he'd change it for me, give me a new tube and everything and uh, send me on my way. And it just kept going. It wasn't even a full puncture. It was like just going soft. And I was getting away, pumping it up and going again for about four or five K. Not even, and have to do it again, do it again. Until then, it did go down onto the rim and I had to change the tube. So I'd say that was happening for, honestly, Joanne, 60 K. I was doing that for another 60 K. And then I'd the have point, caught the bike and thrown it over the cliffs, so I would have. But that's yeah, like, and I probably would have previously, you know. But I was, I was so focused on finishing this race at this point, and when I had my final um, puncture, Cole had no more tubes left for me or his own athletes, and I was actually at a, at a place in the race where there was just nobody around. It was somewhere down in Clare, I think. Nobody was around. Uh, couldn't get a tube. But I was at a point in, in my head where I was finishing this race no matter what. So I just literally started running. And in my head, I was running for 60K. Whatever happened after that, like, hopefully I could get some some more tubes or whatever. But in my head, I was running for 60K in my bike shoes. So I started off, and I'd say it was probably 20 minutes later, a car pulled up beside me. So I knew something would would happen for me, like, you know, because I was staying positive. I wasn't throwing the bike off the cliffs. <laughs> a car pulled up beside me and some guy had crashed out of the race. And the guy who was driving him was an owner of a, a bike shop there in Galway. And he gave me the front wheel off that chap's bike. And we lashed it on. And away I went and just lashed the last 60K as well. Got to the, the transition and I had the biggest smile on my face. You wouldn't believe. I had an odd wheel on. My wife, my whole friend. Uh, who was uh, the wife of my friend who was in the race with me. And they were like, where are you? Because I was I was a bit ahead of Trev uh, in the swim. He had overtaken me on the bike, obviously, and he was miles ahead of me on the bike. He was now my target to catch, by the way, on the run, because I'm stronger than him on the run. But the girls were like, what happened, Jan? And they seen by the, the new wheel on it that something had happened. And so I, I quickly explained to them as I was running into transition, six punctures, this, and had to run and 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 so on 
and I got to transition, quick change out into the run course again. I was just delighted to be there, you know. I was so grateful that I actually got to the transition. I was grateful to be there. As I said, Trevor was my target now. Took off on the run. Managed to catch him <laughs> before the end of it. I think my run on that one was something like 345 or 348 maybe. So I was delighted with that as well. But I really enjoyed the run actually. Um, they had, if you remember, they had the, um, the Ireland match against France up on the big screen. So I came into tra- transition and I think Ireland were winning 1-0. Uh, I think I done a lap. I think I came back. It was one all. I done another lap. I came back. They were losing two one. So that wasn't that wasn't great. But anyway, at the end of it, I seen my coach. You know, uh, Troy coach Bjorn, good yes. friend, uh, great lad. He had done the half earlier in that that day, but he stuck around to to uh, wait for me to to see how it went. When I met him, I was so happy. I was I was emotional that I had uh, probably tears coming down my face under my me, uh, glasses. I was explaining to him what had happened. And I still say to this day, it was probably my best, wasn't my best time by far. I think I lost an hour and a half on the bike. But it was my best performance. I call it my best performance because I stuck with it. That was like a turning point for me in, in triathlon, you know. And I knew it, like, because I had that in the bag thereafter, I could take on bigger events. And that was then my plan after Challenge Galway. I definitely would would have given up. 100% would have given up. Puncture number four, I'd have been like, probably puncture number two, I'd have been like, oh, I'm never, I'm not meant to do this. I'm going home. Yeah. Just stick my legs out, stick that thumb up and try and get a lift home. I probably would have myself now before having that, gaining that experience up in, in Donegal, you know, but and this is how it, this is how it goes. Like it's, it's a journey. Like you, you pick up all these experiences and, and they help you grow physically and mentally, you know? So I say that I was lucky to, to, um, DNF in, in the race in 2014 and 2015. And I was lucky to get that experience uh, in a challenge Galway, you know. I want to just jump back very quickly because you mentioned mm. at the start about the accident with the stick and your eye. Is it a degenerative injury now or are your eyes that this is the way they'll stay other than growing older and, and maybe, you know, the growing older side of things with our eyes? Or uh, does it get worse as you get older? It's possibly de- degenerative, like, and that's kind of what happened um, early on. Like, my, my right eye kind of degenerated. When I got to hospital, I was kind of got, got a bit of treatment on it to, to stop that, like, you know. So it shouldn't outside of old age, I suppose. So luckily, I kind of caught it because it, initially with the stick caused it to um, cause an infection in the left eye, and that started to spread, you know, but it caught, we caught it luckily enough you know in time that I didn't go completely blind so at this point I should be okay barring like I, I do have to wear glasses and stuff and I get regular checkups and stuff to, to keep an eye on that but I should be okay outside of that you're able to drive you're able to cycle your bike and run and everything you've got a certain level of vision that yes. isn't impairing your progress in moving forward with your sport yes exactly yeah so okay. I, I'm fairly lucky you know I'm blessed to be honest do you think having the injury at such a young age actually made you stronger to deal with things like the DNF in the race and actually gave you, I'm not going to say the word confidence, but maybe drove the passion and drove you on to prove that you could do this, that it wasn't just for you that you were doing it, but you were actually doing it to prove to the world that I can actually do something and, and do this for everybody, including myself. No question. Absolutely. I'm kind of a different person almost in sport. Then in my kind of, you know, in, in, in life outside of sport, 
So I did suffer, I suppose, um, with self-confidence in my normal life, but in sports, sport gave me that kind of ability to to be someone else almost within that sport, you know, like within football, like I was just a different person altogether. I was, to be honest, I was probably a bit of an asshole playing football. Um, I was really, really kind of um, competitive in football and had real, uh, real determination to win. Like, you know, I was I, always, you know, pissed off when I didn't win, when I lost. But I would say what happened as well, my dad was really, um, was really, what's the word? I suppose worried about me when I went out playing because of the eye. Like, like he didn't even want me to get a bike when I was a child. Like, you know, and when I did get one, when I was out, I, I, I'd always hear him saying, will you look after him to my older brothers, even my younger brother, will you look after him, you know? And that kind of gave me a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Because like, as I said earlier, like they were all into boxing and then I was kind of into football. So I was a much better footballer than these. I was like, right, hey, I'm a, I'm a better footballer than them. Why are, you, why are you not asking me to look after them and show them how to, to do this or whatever? And um, so it did kind of give me a bit of a, 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 a chip on my shoulder and gave me, that kind of gave me a bit of determination and that gave me a bit of, bit of grit and drive, as you say, to prove that, like, not only to myself, but to my dad and, and my brothers and, and anyone I played against, like, you know, um, and that carried through then into uh, threat on the course. Um, I am quite competitive because of that, like in anything I do now, you know. Is there a thing so, about sport putting you on an equal pedestal to everybody else? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So you're no longer the person who has an, an eye injury that has affected some part of yeah. your life. Actually, when we're on the start line of a swim, bike or run, I can yeah. hold my own here and I can be independent, maybe is the word that kind of struck me when I hear you talk yeah. about your dad telling your brothers and sisters to keep an eye out for you. That it, It's almost like, well, actually, I can flipping do this. Absolutely. You know, I don't see it as like, you know, obviously it, it, it does make a difference, to be honest. But I, I don't see that like, you know, I just see. I'm, I'm the same as anyone else. Go back to the futsal, say we are classed as like um, a visually impaired team, but we, we played together in, um, I, think, I can't remember, it might have been 2009, 2010, in the top league in Ireland at that time was the Aircom League. And we played against Shamrock Rovers, uh, St. Pat's. But basically all the Aircom League teams had futsal teams and we were playing against them and we were hammering them, you know, because we played together as, a, as a, a, an international team. Um, I think we were, we got to the final of that Aircom League, League. We played then, a couple of us got selected for their full international team as well. And I think I mentioned there, I was very competitive. I was very rough when I played futsal. And I think that stopped me getting picked for the full uh, international team. But I was, without being um, big-headed, I was much a much better uh, defender than anybody they had, that, had on that team. I think I was just a bit more vocal and and rough, as I said, and I, I don't think that suit or went down well with the selectors. But anyway, we played the full international team and we beat them as well. Like, you know, I suppose the other lads might say this as well. I can't speak to them. But when we played all those teams, I was like, definitely had that drive to beat them because I, I wanted to prove we were better than them, even though we were classes visually impaired or whatever. I, I would say to my friends, I played for the visually impaired team and they'd start taking a piss out of me, you know, that way. Um, when you all play with guide dogs, all this kind of crap. It's it's funny. It's funny at the time, like, but um, they seen us as as not being like a competitive team. But mm. 
like we were as good as, as anyone else out there, you know. And can I ask you, do you think the fact that your dad had you guys all involved in the gym as a young age and you grew up with fitness and sport, that mm. that played, a, obviously that would have played a big part in your success as a as a footballer, as a triathlete, but have you a natural talent for sport? Yeah, it's kind of like a, the, the chicken or the egg question, isn't it? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I, I think... Like, I think what, what stood to me was I played multiple sports when I was a child. And I don't mean for teams. I just mean out on the road. Like, when Wimbledon came around, we were out playing tennis from, you know, 7 a.m. to 12 p.m. We played basketball. We, we'd shoot the ball at, like, a lamppost. You know what I mean? we obviously done boxing. And when the Olympics were around, we'd be out in the field punching the head off each other, you know? We played, like, hockey. We played absolutely everything. And I think that's more of, of a benefit to, to to kids like you know all these different kind of sports they're using different muscles they're learning different uh, neural pathways uh, getting them into their uh, nervous systems as opposed to being born with talents and um, there's probably a bit of that as well but I think I think it's more learned if, if I'm honest and I think starting early being consistent and um, keeping kids in sport and doing something like I didn't really ever have a break from from any uh, from sport completely. I don't think even when I wasn't playing futsal, I was probably playing uh, soccer. When I wasn't playing soccer, I was you know probably I was in the gym a lot. So I was always doing something. You know what I mean? I think it's more that as opposed to being born a natural athlete. That's my feeling on it anyway. And do your own kids get involved in sport now? Are they aspiring triathletes? Are they following in your footsteps? Yeah, well, my, my eldest son is 21 now this year, Jake. He started out, so when I was playing soccer, he was only a baby. I got him involved in soccer, but he, 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 he was a big block of a, a young lad. So he, actually, when we, when we moved down here, to his, um, his school, his high school, uh, was a, it's a rugby school. Suttonians is the, the rugby club uh, connected to him. So he joined a rugby club there and he done really well. Um, he enjoyed it so he, he kept that up he, again he played a lot of stuff in that school they were great school for sports he, I think he played frisbee table tennis everything in school so that was his kind of background now actually literally only the last couple of weeks now he's done a bit of running a couple of years ago with me but now he's getting back into it um, he had a gap away from uh, training day he had college and he'd start walking and stuff like that he played gas already a lot of gas as well um, so he hasn't played for a couple of years and now he's come back to sport I tell you, he's very lucky because he's getting, he's walking into triathlon and he's getting my old turbo trainer. He's getting my old bike, which is like an eight grand TT bike. Uh, I'm at the Boynham Runners. So he's doing fairly well for himself uh, starting in triathlon. I started with an entry level um, uh, road bike. I think I had six or eight gears or something. So anyway, uh, yeah, he's getting involved in triathlon now, which is brilliant. I'm delighted because my two younger sons, when I started in triathlon, they were only babies. And I threw them into swimming. So they've been swimming. So they're getting a great head start in triathlon. Um, hopefully. They swim with um Cormorants down here in um Donamede. So I'm hoping that that Jake you now getting a tri- triathlon will inspire them as well. Because I don't think they're bothered that I'm involved in triathlon, but they might look <laughs> up to their big brother a bit more. Yeah. So um the plan is we have a plan now, a five-year plan with Jake getting involved now. It's called Operation Iron Fam. And myself, Jake, Reese, and Ben 
are planning to do an Ironman when Ben, the youngest, is 18. So we're going to either do Ironman Cork or do Ironman Wales. And that will be, what, probably 2025, 2026. So that's the plan. And that's my, my um, my what's the word? Um, I don't know. My plan to try and get them involved in triathlon anyway. So, you know, the way we have Ireland's fittest family and they go over like the Tough Mudder or the Hell and Back courses. We'll have yes. this Iron family uh, might be a new show. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, well, that's, that's the goal. Well, that's, that's pretty cool, though, because I suppose, you know, we see an awful lot of, of the junior kids coming through and uh, we lose girls and boys in sport as they go through school and different pressures and they're growing up and they're teenagers and whatever. So actually to have that goal uh, as the kids go through their, their teenage years and your eldest out the other side of that, it's kind of cool. And of course, you know, the new tri club you've set up in Ballymun. Yeah, so it, it's obviously it's very hard at the moment to do anything um in groups or anything. But like I had it, I've, I've always wanted to set up a club in Ballymun. There's nothing really close to us, I suppose. Like for me, I would have had to join Port Marnock Triathlon Club, which is a great club. Actually, I swam a bit with them. But there's nothing really in Ballymun, and it, there's a lot of people there really interested in triathlon. You know. Like I have a gym up there as well in Ballymun. I walk into the, in the school, the training comprehensive school there, and I have a gym there. We have a running track around the school. It's just an asphalt track, but still, we've, we've all the facilities there, like, you know, and it's just ideal for triathlon. And uh, the swim pool, Ballymun um, Leisure Centre is across the road. Emma, the manager there, is lovely to deal with. She's, she's um, going to give us the lane as well when we get going. Um, but that's the plan is when restrictions lift, really give it a good go. We've lots of interest already. As I said, we can't really organize sessions yet. We're posting a few things on, on the Facebook page and stuff, but it's more kind of virtual stuff, obviously, and me posting um, what I'm doing as well. But yeah, when, when restrictions lift, we're going to try and get affiliated with Triathlon Ireland and make it a, a full-on club. It's such a rapidly grown sport and it's great interest. Like I mentioned earlier about People finishing soccer, ga, hurling, whatever, they're looking for something to do. Triathlon is absolutely perfect for that, that age group, I think, anyway. And also in terms of your own commitment in giving something back, I mean, the sport of triathlon and endurance racing has given you so much. So it's also important to, to give back to our communities as well. It's like when I finished uh, football and futsal, it was like I found this brand new thing. It was amazing. So there's, there's a lot of people there who are like me now, I, I would say, would, would love another go at a, at a sport. Like they probably think they're past that, that age. Like, well, you know yourself, triathlon's probably more of a middle-aged person's uh, um, sport. Like, you know, like you could you could start triathlon at the age of 60, 70, 80. Like it's, it's you know, it, you don't have to be a rocket. You don't have to be a flyer. You can... You can be the slowest person in the world and still finish like, you know, an Ironman or an Iron Distance Triathlon. This is definitely a great kind of opportunity there for people who, who think that, that they, they'll never be able to finish any kind of triathlon, you know. Um, and there's a big transition as well from some of the, the team sport players coming into cycling. And then there's the chat on the cycle with the triathletes. And suddenly you've got people beginning to learn how to swim. We've had a huge influx of people swimming this year that have been lucky enough, like myself, to live near the sea. And, and then suddenly it's like the world is beginning to spin again. Could I, you know, maybe do a, do a triathlon? I want to quickly touch on some of the DECA stuff with you as well. So Challenge Galway 2016, you finished that race, crossed hmm. the line, were delighted. Why did you decide to 
take on the deco after that result in uh, 2016 in in the uh, challenge Galway I just felt to Rob Ironman's praise that anything was possible you know I struggled through it uh, with the mechanicals but I felt amazing after um, and I just wanted another challenge and so I had done my Ironman uh, brand race which was something special um, and then I had done the challenge once I had done another type of, of iron distance I just felt I could go a bit farther like you know I just felt I was built for a long distance especially with my diet being vegan I know we didn't even touch on that but like I just felt I could go forever so I wanted to look at something a bit longer and I, I was looking online and I found the deck of UK now there was there was an option to go with five and five days but um, if I was going to travel over to the UK and have a go at it, I may as well have a go at the big one. If I fall short, I'm okay with failure. Failure is feedback. You learn more from failures. And I, I got that. That just really embedded into me from the failures of the uh, the Challenge Galway. So I was okay with failing. So I decided to take on the 10. But I wanted to do proper training for it. I found then a double back-to-back that I told myself I wasn't going to travel to the UK if I didn't finish this back-to-back. And it was the Celtic Warrior in 2017 in um, Mullingar, uh, hosted by um, Frankie Wright. So I went down and um, done really well at the back-to-back in Mullingar. I was the only person to finish it. I think um, 10 of us signed up to do, I think 20 people signed up to do the, the fall. I think 10 signed up to do the uh, back-to-back. Two of us got out of bed on the second day. The weather was atrocious, to be fair. And the guy, one, the other guy, um, Denzel, uh, when he, he he just basically couldn't finish the swim. We were chatting for the whole uh, the, the whole force marathon. And me and him had planned to get up and, and have a go at the second day. Um, he, he was, I think he, he was too cold to finish the, the second day. But I was basically doing a whole race on my own. Um, I was there supported by my wife. But honestly, I just couldn't stop smiling. The rain was belting down especially on the bike as soon as I got finished with the bike I knew I was going to finish it and uh yeah I had a great time Amy and my wife were making videos of me doing Forrest Gump running on me home stupid stuff like you know but uh, it was brilliant so I got great confidence that I could I could keep doing um consecutive days from that I actually had a great training plan of doing I think five half irons uh back to back I think that might have been earlier in the year. And then I had, I think, six falls minus the run because I was being very conscious of the, the run, the damage the run would do on the body. So I had a good plan together. Uh, got great comments from that. Went over. And yet the Decca UK I started on a Wednesday to finish on the Saturday, 10 days. Obviously, if anyone's listening and they're not sure what the, the distances is, it's a 3.8K swim. We've done that in Eaton Dorney Lake. Great spot because that's where they've done the Olympics for 2012 for kayaking and canoeing. Yeah, so 3.8K swim, 180K bike was on in the same area. It was just a 5K, 2.5K out, 2.5K back. So the problem with that was um, you're on a a stretch of road. One end is a dead stop, turn around the cone, and the other end is the same. So you're cycling towards that. Yeah, about 200 meters, 100 meters coming to you. You have to start slowing down. You have to completely stop, go around the cone and start building back up your your momentum. So it's a lot on the legs and you're doing that every you know couple of minutes. A cycle I would probably do five and a half to six hours, an hour distance cycle, fairly okay. 
this was eight to nine hours, you know, and I'll just tell you how difficult that cycle was. Um, there was other events going on, a treble, a, a queen, which is five, uh, a double and a single. Out of all of them races, one person finished um, all of them. Like, you now there wasn't great numbers in them. I think two people done the single, four people done the double, five done the, something like that. Anyway, but <clears throat> one person finished out of all those races. Out of 15 of us, um, five of us finished. And then that, so that's just about the bike course. The run course then was a marathon, which is 42K. Uh, and that was, I think, six out and back uh, loop. That was the, the daily target, and you have to obviously do that every day for 10 consecutive days. Um, so it was a lot on the legs, like, you know, especially the bike. The bike, like, if you were to design a course, I would say, before going over, you were like, oh, yeah, give me a nice flat loop. Give me it out and back, and, and there'll be no problems. But, like, we didn't really see that coming, you know, the, the, the slowing down and the building back up your, your momentum because it was a lot on the legs. Day one, I had a mount. A malfunction with the with the, the bike uh, and I, I basically had to walk from the far end back um, and then for the first two days I had to use my old road bike only six or eight gears on it so that was a disaster but what it did do was actually slowed me down I think because my time on day one was 16 hours my day my time on day two was 16 hours two minutes um, and on day three when I got my bike back and a change of strategy, I think it was 14 hours and 40 minutes, something like that. But there was no real extra effort. That was a change of strategy. But what I'm saying about the first two days, I finished dead last on day one. And I finished mid-table on day two. And there was only two minutes in this time difference. Whereas all the other guys probably started a bit fast and then fell off on day two. Um, and you can see that in the times. Like day three, I changed the strategy. On, on the first two days, I was just kind of getting used to the location, getting used to um, my bike and stuff like that because I had a, a change of bike. I'd get off the bike and, and eat. I'd go into the camper van and eat and get back off after every five laps. I'd do that again. And it really slowed me down. So on day three, the strategy was to just for the guys to hand me food as a cycle by eating on the bike. And that saves, you know, as I said, over an hour, you know. And then, of course, um, you want more time to rest and recover and sleep every night. Yeah, yeah. When you wake up, you can kind of keep going. I remember yeah. chatting to Jerry Duffy about Decky oh, UK. Jerry's and yeah. Yeah, and he was telling me stories before about people falling asleep on their bikes and hallucinating and and all mm. of that. I don't want to go into too much detail on the on the DECA because I know it's been yeah. covered by by loads of people. But as a result of, of the DECA, what did it do for you, for your confidence as an athlete, for your ability to look at bigger, tougher stuff? Yeah, so when I finished then, yeah, like... It, the confidence I got for like I went over not expecting, not not definitely not expecting to win. I went over giving it a kind of a punt, having a go at it. Like now, to be honest, I had good self belief. I did feel I was going to finish, even though people around me were saying, you know, you're going to probably do your your health damage, like you know. But like I felt I could do it. So I, I when I did finish, not only finish, I won, and I won by four and a half hours ahead of second place, which was. Like, I never expected that, you know, not in my wildest dreams did I expect that. So the confidence boost I got was just another level. It was like finishing an Ironman by 100, never mind by 10. Um, and I was just, like, on just on another level with, with my kind of confidence. And I wanted to go again, like, you know, 
quickly just to mention the kind of reason why I was there as well was like uh, my brother-in-law passed away by suicide. So I was doing it to kind of raise awareness for mental health. Like, and when I came back, like I came back to a kind of an absolute, I suppose a hero's welcome, if you want to call it that. And the, the level of positivity in, in kind of my circle of friends and people in my community, you could just feel it. Like, and I felt that I wanted to do more of that. I wanted to give more of that. So then, yeah, like I had no no kind of fear of of taking on another bigger challenge, like you know, um, and I was I was literally when I got home, I was on the internet looking for double deckers and everything else, like you know, but the deckers like they're not something that are done annually at the moment. Now, Decker UK is every second year, but before my force was the inaugural one, um, and um, before that, I think Jerry Duffy's one was. You mentioned Jerry. Uh, who's an absolute legend, by the way. And I traveled down to see Jerry before I we went to get all the tips off him, just to give Jerry a shout out. But um, yeah, like Jerry's one was 2011. Uh, the second one, he won that one. The second one was won by a guy who was actually in my deck at uh, uh, TC, a friend of mine actually now. He won it in 2012. And then the third ever uh, UK decker was done in 2017. That was our one. And um, so they're not, they, they haven't been something that was done every year at that point. I couldn't sign up to one that in 2018. There was nothing really else that I could find that was, was kind of similar or, or handy to get to. Uh, I think there was one in Mexico in 2019, but again, I just didn't want to wait. I just wanted to do something in 2018. I decided then just to basically make up an event for the year. So I was sitting in the gym with my friend, Chris, who supported me on a few things, including the race. In uh, up in Donegal, but he was. I was saying to him, "What about just doing something like a five k every week or something for the year? Something nice and handy, like you know." I said, "No, no, no. You're the Ironman guy now. You're gonna have to do some Iron Distance triathlons. So what about doing one of them a week for the uh, the year?" And I think it was like the second year of 2018 already. Uh, it was second year, second week in January. Sorry. So we had missed the first week. So, and then I knew I had holidays planned and all this. So I said, look, I can't, I, I can't really do one every week. So what about if we do 52 within the year? And within those 52, we put in some, you know, doubles and trebles and, and things like that. So there's no pressure for sick or injured to do one that week. And I could skip it and, and catch up and do doubles and trebles. Plus within ultra uh, triathlons, there's formats. There's not just one every day. There's a format where you can do, say, let's say if we do it a, a, a decade, you can do all the swim, which would be 38K swim. You could do all the bike, which would be 1,800K uh, bike, and then all the run as kind of, um, you know, standalone um, segments within the race. So that's called a continuous version uh, or a classic version. Uh, so I wanted to try a couple of them as well before I went on and done, like, done that version in a decade, say. So I think I'd done a treble in that continuous, um, which took me like, I think it was like 52 hours. So it was over a weekend and I didn't like that at all. <laughs> I really didn't like that format at all because I didn't really plan it well. I just, um, I didn't plan in sleep. I just said I'd sleep when I, when I felt like it. I, I finished it, but it was horrible. Like I, I was much more suited to the one a day. So then I think at the end of the year as well, for it, it got really bad weather. And I decided to do an indoor decker, which had never been done before. So there was the lure of that having the, a world's force. So I'd done uh, an indoor decker, which was 
swim was done in a pool, the bike was done on a turbo trainer, and the run was done on a treadmill. And the difference between that and an outdoor decade is chalk and cheese. I kind of obviously, it felt like cheating, to be honest, because I was doing, um, I think I was doing like nine and a half hours to 10 hour days compared to like 16 hour, 14 to 17 hour days outdoors. But anyway, that was the year. Um, and it was, but it was brilliant. It was a great experience to try all those different formats, raised 12,000 euro for um, Mental Health Ireland. And um, yeah, it was just just a brilliant year. Again, lots of experience within Ultra. And again, yeah, it was it was just a class, class experience. And then there was the 100 mile run you did in 20 hours. It was a 500, 550 meter loop. That's where I do all my, it's actually where I've done a lot of my runs for the uh, 52 uh, iron distance triathlons. So I did do some of those iron distance triathlons in places like a Thai, a Thai triathlon club hosted me for a couple. Barry Loftus down in Cross Molina hosted me one as part of the Strandman. A couple of events like that going on, but most of the runs were done on that 550 meter loop. But I, in my community, I, I um, organize a Ballymun Health and Fitness Festival every year. And what we do is a weekend of running. So we do 5K runs, we do 10K runs, all free and open to the, the community. And as part of that, me and a friend of mine who organized the event said we'd run a 100 miler. Um, he suggested 100K. I said, no, let's do a 100 miler. But um, yeah, on that loop. So it was, it was over the weekend. So we were there while all the other events were going on. So it was just, again, another brilliant experience. As we are coming around the track, we would start the race with a, a hooter, you know, and everybody would fall in behind us and then quickly obviously overtake <laughs> us because <laughs> we had done like, uh, we had gone through the night at that stage. But yeah, it was brilliant. And, and my fitness level, I would say, like my first uh, iron distance in January, you know, it, it was absolutely horrible. It was, I went into it like over, you know, over Christmas, I probably had indulged, still doing a bit of training, but yeah, it just just wasn't training as well. But um, yeah, I struggled on the first one. There was a picture of me after finishing, and my face was just like oh, hanging. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was lashing rain. It was in the dark. Obviously, you finish the bike at about four o'clock, and it's dark. So you're running in the dark, running in the rain. There's no medals, no t-shirts, just, no people, just, no people. Honestly, <laughs> on my own, it was just like honestly, I would do another decade tomorrow. There's no way I will ever do that 52 or anything like it again. Sure. How do you keep the head when the head is maybe dropping at three o'clock in the afternoon in the depth of winter and you're at the coming to another hour left on the bike and potentially four, four, maybe five hours some days, possibly, well, three, maybe four hours left to go on the run. And then, you know, you have to, you know, go and do it again next week. Like, how do you keep that mental strength going? Yeah, well, it, it goes back to the experience of those other races, doesn't it? There's a few things, though. Like, you have the experience of other races, and then, yeah, why you're doing these things has to be strong. Like, so for me, like, I I wasn't, like, I was doing it for myself, I suppose, but, like, I was doing that to raise money for Mental Health Ireland. So that alone, like, I did, I did, the thoughts of, you know, jacking it in was in my head every few minutes. But then so was remembering why I was doing it initially. I wasn't doing it for the medal. I wasn't doing it for the T-shirt. I wasn't doing it for uh, applause from the crowd or anything like it. I was doing it to raise money for mental health awareness. I was doing it to honor my 
my brother-in-law's memory who had passed by suicide. So there's there's strong reasons, you know that way. And once you think about that again, it's just like okay, let's let's just go. Like you know, the rain doesn't matter. Then you put on a jacket, whatever. It, it's gone then, you know, and you just carry on. So it's it's as simple as that. Like just having the strong why, and then you know those past experiences of where you have had those, I wouldn't call them meltdowns, but those tough times, and you've overcome them. Like you know, it's practice and it's experience and it's having that strong reason behind why you're doing it which is hugely important and does anything scare you oh yeah yeah absolutely absolutely like to be honest sometimes when you're in them it's like especially at 52 it's like why am i fucking doing this like you know what i mean to be honest i'd have i'd have a go at anything because i wouldn't be afraid to fail i'm not i'm not afraid of of people saying oh well look at him he hasn't finished that Look, I've had probably more failures than successes. Like, what was I doing recently? Um, oh, I done I done the Kerry A Ultra. Now I done it with no training. It was my birthday. That's what it was. We were meant to have a great big hula in Kerry. I couldn't do any mountain running because I couldn't go over to the mountains. I just said I'd go and enjoy it. Brought the family down. I done basically a hundred. I think I done the first half, one hundred and ten k or something, and with no mountain running and. I was like, okay, I've had enough there. Like, and I, I, I didn't care what anyone think. I know I can go down and do it again. Like, and I will, and I'll train properly for it. But that did give me like another boot uh, up the arse, if you want to call it that, to to get back on the training. Like, you know, recently I've I've done a couple of challenges, and it is important to practice these challenges. Actually, recently I've done the virtual Everston. That was brilliant. Very tough. I think it took me thirteen hours. It was hard. It was very hard indoors on the trainer. So I'm constantly doing these challenges because you can lose that. You can lose that mental strength like you can lose your, your physical strength if you're not training it. Um, Are you so addicted I'm, I'm to conscious it? of that. Are you addicted? Positively addicted. It's a good thing to be addicted to. Uh, there's worse things you can be addicted to, Joanne. You know, So I don't mind that phrase, addicted to it. Hopefully. I don't mean it in a negative way at all. I just yeah, mean it like in, a, in a positive yeah, way. But it's not negative because it's, it's a positive thing. Um, whether you call it addicted to or, to or not, I'm, it's it's a positive thing. It's like a like exercise is like a keystone habit, and there's other things fall into place after that. So if I am addicted to it, I'm happy to be addicted to it. You know that way because everything else, like my, we mentioned about my family doing trial now, um, all because of this. So it's a good thing to be addicted to. Like you know, absolutely. It, it, must, be, <laughs> it must be a huge part of your daily life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, like, and again, it it kind of helps my work. Like, I'm a, I'm a trainer, and people see me doing these things, and they're attracted to me because of it. Um, so absolutely, yeah. And again, on 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 the personal side of it, if I don't train on a day, it's nothing to do with addiction. It's just I just don't feel as happy. Do you know what I mean? I, I, it's like I haven't done something that day, and it's like. Oh, crap i haven't done me, me workout i have to go and do it I, I just don't feel the same without it like you know and if you if there's a couple of days in a row like it's just you know you can really feel it so it's important to work in into me daily routine I, I like it's habit now i don't really have to i don't really have to force it you know that way like i haven't trained this morning because i had a lot of work to do but i've no no problems on getting out and i've, been, I've only an hour it's only a recovery one to do now after this but There'll be no problems doing it. I won't feel like I have to do this. I'll be like, to quote Jerry Duffy, 
I get to do this. I'm lucky yeah. I get to do this. It's all about perspective, really, isn't it? It's like, uh, did I ever think this time last year that the first thing I think about when I get out of bed in the morning is what time am I going to swim at today? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like yeah. it's just a, it's become a habit. And as much and all as I want to stop the daily swimming because I want to bike and run a bit more. It's like yeah. mm, I don't really want to stop it now because I'm on a streak. So you've got this like push and pull process. Well, if I don't do this, then this is going to happen. If I do do this, this is going to happen. But I don't want it to happen. You know, yeah. um, it's been great chatting to you, Jer. You're you're a bundle of um of inspiration, really. And we didn't really get to talk about the whole area of being a plant-based endurance athlete and how you fuel your body. Maybe that's something for another show uh, that we might bring you back on. And um, but before we finish up, I want to ask you: uh, Have you any big plans for the rest of 2021 and maybe beyond? Uh, in terms of some super challenges or are you keeping them close to your chest? Like I, I was due to go to America now in May uh, to do the first, I think it's the first ever transcontinental uh, triathlon, which would be, which would be um, Trans Am Tri. So basically it would be a 50k swim in Florida. You cycle all the way to the sea and the East Coast, all the way back across to California, which is like the, the Ram route as well. So I would have got to do the Ram route. Then you cycle into Badwater, you do the Death Valley run, the Badwater run, and then continue on out to the uh, coast, which would be a 500k run. So I was really looking forward to doing that. Can't travel into the US at the moment. Um, so that's out, unfortunately. At the end of the year, I would have been back in the US anyway. Uh, travel out to do uh, Deca, Decaman USA, does the, 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 the single Deca, double Deca and the treble Deca. And I'm going to be doing the treble decade, which is one a day, every day for 30 days. So I'm hoping to get over in November and, and start Sorry, that one. One a day, every day for 30 days. Mm, yeah, How do your family yeah, yeah. feel about you heading off to the States to go do your sport for 30 days? Well, they, they probably know I'll be too much of a grump to deal with if they don't <laughs> let me go. <laughs> it's not worth it if they don't oh, yeah. let me go. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, That's incredible. Yeah. Really looking forward to it now. And, and hopefully we get to go like at, the, at that stage. We should we should be at that stage. But like in the meantime, then, like I've, I've other challenges as well set, like, you know, one one a month to, to lead up to that. I'll keep them ones close to me just for now. Don't want anybody robbing them ideas. But uh, looking forward to doing them as well. And in terms of with work as well, as a personal trainer, I've really kind of focused more on that kind of side of things now. I always had my Triathlon Ireland certs, but I got another cert in now recently with Fit Cert, um, the first triathlon cert, I think, in, in Ireland. But I, I qualified there recently as well. I've qualified as a yoga instructor as well recently. This is all over COVID. So um, I'm planning on shifting from personal training and boot camp class and stuff like that to do more kind of triathlon based training and coaching and i'm looking forward to getting actually launching that business now next wow. next week wow yeah so really uh, excited about that actually so i wonder was keith martin somebody that was on that course keith martin is the uh, course organizer yeah he's, okay he's, and the, the, the course was done by um mick Kyo. He got in touch to ask, how did you find taking the triathlon coaching course having so much experience was his question for you. Today. Oh, did he? Oh, brilliant. The course was is great. Um, and I, I definitely recommend it for anybody beginner. Me as an experienced person, to be honest, it goes back to the confidence thing for me. Like it was good for me to see that I already, to be honest, knew a lot of it, you know, that way without sounding like I, d I don't know everything at all. We're always learning. 
And as soon as you think you know everything, you're going backwards. But um, it was a great confidence booster for me to know that, look, I know all this. I, I'm, I'm good at this. So I'm going to start coaching this, you know. And it gave me that kind of that kind of push to put myself out there. Like, I, like I'm, I'm the kind of person as well that needed to do the course because I wouldn't sit down and, and do the reading and do the work myself. I don't think I needed to be on a course to do it. So it was it was good in that and that sort of thing, and but more so the confidence now that listen, I, I know I know a good bit of this and people can really benefit from training with me. Like so yeah, it was a great confidence booster. Yeah. And then of course you have your own podcast as well, Jerry. So we may as well give that a plug while we're here as well today before Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to use this opportunity to say I'd love to have you on the podcast as well. <laughs> if you <laughs> thought yeah. you could talk, I'm not sure how long we'd have for when I would talk. <laughs> yeah, we'd probably have to put it cut off time on that as well. But yeah, no, um, Jared Prendergast podcast. I've interviewed lots of uh, ultra endurance athletes, and that's kind of been the, the niche of my podcast as well. And a lot, and I'm starting to throw in now with my um my my um coaching stuff a few more podcasts all about you know the best best sessions to do anything about triathlons and uh, triathlon information for people to to get some advice and, and and learn a bit more about what they should be doing and wherever they are in their triathlon journey. But uh, yeah, try Jared Prendergast uh, podcast on Spotify and iTunes. Well, Ger, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and I have a million other questions I could ask you, but I am conscious that we're probably going to have run over a little bit. We might bring you back in for part of our performance hub and bring you in there and then at least we can chat in a bit more detail about specifics around some of the stuff that you've done and maybe some of the stuff that you're going to do in the future. But thank you so much and best of luck with all of your challenges and I'd be honoured to be on your podcast. Yeah, very good. That that was me plan to run over, so you had to bring me back. Yeah. <laughs> but the pleasure is all mine. Thanks so much, Joanne. An absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget you can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. That's try with an I, not a Y. I'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Pop by, say hi, let me know what you think of the show. And if you are new to Try Talking Sport, please do check out some of our previous episodes. You will be impressed and inspired by our guests. If you get two minutes of time, I'd love a review on Apple Podcasts. I'd be forever grateful for a positive review. That's it. Until next time, stay safe, keep smiling and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day.